Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. I am your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, and I am thrilled that you're here with us today. Our show focuses on finding, using, innovating, giving a new perspective on technology and how we can use that to better our careers, how we can help those that are behind, coming behind us, and how we can use it to drive decisions in our everyday lives. Technology and computer science and STEM and business all go hand in hand, especially now since we are in this new world of digital conversation and learning, which I do believe we'll go back to doing much more in person pretty soon. But don't think that the digital land is ever going to actually really go away. And I think it's really important for us to remember that we're always learning and growing and knowing that technology is going to continue to be a part of what we do, both in our personal lives and in our careers. Today, I am thrilled and excited because I have followed this individual, this young man, for quite some time um, as an educator. Um, I have on the show a master I'm talking a master of no-code apps and also in the digital space of understanding how to navigate and help businesses better find their own niche in using applications for business and, and for personal peace too, but in particular for your businesses. So I want to welcome to the show Darren Alderman, who is the owner of Amble Mind. Um, but he's going to tell us a little bit more about his journey. I know him from my education world of all the work that I have done in creating, uh, help, helping students create their first app through the platform of Funkable, which he'll talk a little bit about. But I reached out to Darren because I get his emails on a regular basis. And I thought, you know what? We need to share your expertise because it's really awesome. And what he can provide can simply transform how you're interacting with your customers um, through your business. So, Darren, welcome to the show. Well, hello. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for your kind words. I'm excited to be talking to you today. Me too. I've been looking forward to it because I totally nerd out on learning all things around tech, which my audience knows. But, you know, <laughs> I, like, but I, what I love about the way you provide information is it's very easy to read and it's consumable. Like, so I can do it in little snippets and parts just the way, just in time for what I need, but I don't feel overwhelmed. And you're able to provide small pieces for us to learn. But let me not, let me digress. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some facts. Who are you, Darren? What have you been doing? Are you surviving COVID? What is happening? Yeah, so I, I have survived COVID thus far. <laughs> thus, I am here. Um, I am working from home, have been for, you know, the time and I'm wearing the shirt that I wear every Friday. I have a shirt for every week and it makes getting dressed in the morning very easy. Um, kind of, I mean, yeah, my background, uh, I live in Louisiana. I am married. I have a cat and we recently adopted a dog. And so we're, we're getting along just fine. And I guess some things some people might not know about me. Um, I have my degree in mathematics, and so that's where a lot of my problem solving and interest in tech kind of started. And mm -hmm. then from that, I ventured off into coding and, and things like that. 
just more what was it like earning a degree in mathematics? Like, what did that look like? <laughs> well, I came into college loving math because I like aced every class in high school. And then I had a math class all the time, every, every semester. And then I decided I don't love math anymore, but I can appreciate it. Hmm. I appreciate it. So even going through like, because you probably had to take classes you weren't exactly thrilled about, right? I mean, in terms of having, earning a math degree, is there an area of math that you like? Like, is, is, it, is it geometry or statistics or is it calculus or is it none of the above? Yeah, I definitely like uh, geometry just because it's, it's very particular, you know, angles, working out math problems. There's always an answer. Um, statistics are fun too. I get to do some of that, uh, you know, with business and things like that. When it gets into like, tell me why one plus one equals two. Like that's like, that was literally a course, like explaining why, like how math theory works and like that kind of stuff is just like, nah, I don't like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That might be it. That's, that's deep. That's deep. Yeah. I mean, cause it just does two things together. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, there's just two of them. <laughs> but there's a way to explain it. I'm Apparently. sure there is. <laughs> I like, there's something you mentioned before that I wanted to go back to, which is very mathematical. You said you're wearing your shirt that you wear every Friday. So we're recording this on a Friday. Um, so do you have your clothes laid out? I mean, do you have an algorithm already in place for how you put your clothes together? Well, um, so I have I picked out, and this was back in March. So I've been doing it for, you know, five, six months now. Um, about two, three weeks into working from home, I was like, I need to figure this out and decide what I'm going to wear. So I picked out a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday shirt. And I wear those every day of the week. Yeah. Over and over again. <laughs> well, at least people know, like there, I mean, there's a pattern there. Yeah. And this is my, my Friday shirt because it has polka dots on it and it's fun Friday. I love it. So do you have a shirt for Saturday and Sunday too, or do you just go crazy? Yeah, that's when I just like, you know, let's pull out some fancy stuff or let's not <laughs> and not worry about getting dressed and just lounge. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been laughing a lot because I am truly that person that does the business on top and then like the PJs on the bottom. <laughs> so I was doing a tech talk the other day and I said, I mean, I had a, a blazer on, but I was totally still wearing my comfy uh, pajama shorts because that's just how we roll these days, right? Well, I do not do that, but I do have a pair of shorts that I wear every day. Yeah, I like it. So you were saying, so you live in Louisiana. Are you from Louisiana or did you migrate there? Yep. I grew up in North Louisiana in Shreveport and now I'm down South in Cajun country in Lafayette. And uh, it's a very fun place to, to live for sure. I can imagine probably uh, lots of great food. The weather Absolutely. is probably pretty decent most of the year. I'm thinking. Yep. So growing up in Shreveport, what was your first job? What did you do when you were a kid? I, my first job uh, was actually in high school. I started uh, in the summers as a lifeguard. I did that for- I was a lifeguard too. I love it. (laughs) You loved it. Okay. So the first summer was fun because, you know, you're cool. You're the lifeguard. But then eventually it's like, you're just sitting out there for hours on end in the heat and- yeah, it got old, but it paid the bills. Mm-hmm. So I liked it. All right, so did you? Did you? So you didn't continue lifeguarding? Did you just? What did you, did you move into something else? 
So I did that through high school. Uh, when I got into college, um, I didn't work the first two years for the most part, um, but I needed to w- moved in later on. I started the first kind of tech job I had was uh, like part time for the math department at my school, mm-hmm. and I would help. So if, like the math problems that you do, like on the website, like they give the teacher gives you the question, you have to pick out the answers. Yep. So I was the person that went and entered those questions and answers into like the system that we used. And so the teacher, I would work directly with the teachers that give me 30 questions and then I'd have to go in and enter all those. Did you see a connection early on? Like when you were working with the math between math and tech, did you begin to put those puzzle pieces together or did that come over time? Um, I think it came over time and it was more of just curiosity for me because, uh, and I've definitely noticed this as I've lived my life more, but I'm, I'm just so very curious in how things work. So, you know, as you were saying before, we're online a lot, we're on computers. And so my mind is just, you know, how does, how does this work? How does this web page work? And so then I would go and figure that out. And then it's just this kind of spiral. And so the, I think the math being rooted in math and being like really like solving problems just kind of leads me to ask questions about why something works the way it does and that kind of helps me with like life in general because I'm able to put pieces together and solve problems and figure out how they work. Yeah you know that's one thing that I I find that is really exciting about the world of technology and about computer science and and STEM in general is that piece of answering a question being curious and thinking why did this do that or and you know not always do you answer the question on the first try, but walking through the process and putting the puzzle pieces together, there's something very satisfying by that. It's just like putting a puzzle together in general when it's, you know, the hundred or 500 piece puzzle and you finally figure out how to strategically put all those pieces together. I mean, I think that's very similar to what we do when we're trying to figure out a problem in technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And computers and technology and coding is so fun in that sense because there's always an answer because, you know, we made humans made computers, humans made technology. And so like we can always, it might take, it might be over your head, but I mean, there is an answer a reason that the computer is doing this or the application is doing this and it should be doing this, but it's not. Why is it doing that? Well, there's an answer for that. And so I just like, I, I really enjoy like digging and trying to find, you know, I coded this and, it's not working the way I thought it would. So why, why is that? And you can yeah. dig deep and find those answers to those questions. Yeah, I like that too. And usually the reason why mine's not working is because I've forgotten a semicolon or I've spelled a word wrong. That's usually the culprit in my life about how when I'm doing my coding. Well, tell me a little bit. So you went to school for mathematics and mm-hmm. you decided that wasn't exactly where you wanted to fit, but it's a good base for moving into where you are now. What was the next step in your journey um, as you began to step into the world of a career? Yeah, so where I am now and, and starting in mathematics, like the in-between there uh, was really my, my first job and my, my current day job because I still work full-time. Um, and so I got, I wanted, I knew I wanted to work somewhere in tech, but coming out of college, I really didn't feel super confident in like coding and things like that. So I actually got hired at a uh, technology IT consulting uh, firm as a business analyst. And so I was not doing the coding, 
uh, but I was like close to it and working with the developers. And so I learned the terminology. I learned how to communicate with them. Um, and then through that, I kind of started picking up, you know, how web pages worked. And that's kind of where I entered into kind of coding and technology. So that's how I got from math to, to code. Well, and yeah, I mean, even using in a business analyst role, you are looking at numbers and evaluating data that's coming in to help make better decisions for the business. Mm-hmm. So that's mathematically inclined as well yeah. and, and applying and very much applying the knowledge that you learned. So, and when you started to figure out how web pages work, did you start learning HTML and CSS, which is hypertext markup language? Did you dig into JavaScript? How did you start navigating into that world of learning how websites worked? Exactly. So, um, you know, I would be working with a developer who's, when we're working on like a website and we'd be on a, a, you know, a phone conference and he'd pull up the dev tools, which is a way you can see all the code behind the web page. And I was just fascinated by that. And so I was like, you know, I want to learn more about this. So I went and picked up um, a course online, which there are a ton of courses on HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through like two or three of those, I, I became pretty fluent in it. And, um, you know, eventually I was like, you know, I, I really want to learn more about this and I really want to do this full time. And so then um, I, I guess tra- kind of transition from that role to the next one was I sat down with my manager one day and was like, hey, I want to do this. I want to code full time. And I, I thought it was like a big, you know, big step. But he was like, oh, really? Okay, let's do that. So yeah, it took about a year, but yeah. I transitioned, you know, from a, from a non-technical role, role to a full, you know, web developer, full stack developer role over about a year. And tell everyone what full stack means. So full stack uh, means that basically like in the web page or application world, you have a front end and a back end. The front end is the web page. It's what you as the user using the website see. The back end is all the data and the business logic that happens in the back. So if it's communicating with another web page or another website, that's the back end. So full stack means that you're not a front end, you're not solely front end, you're not solely back end, you're working on both sides of the puzzle, puzzle, the data and the UI. Yeah, that's a lot of fun too. And I think sometimes, well, I mean, there's people that specialize on, on either side of it, of course, but I think it's really cool to see the full picture come together. And the other piece that I think is really important for people to hear is that when you made that decision to transition from doing the analyst role where you're really taking the information and, and moving it from numbers into knowledge or into visualizations, you moved into that piece of the technical role, but it took you some time to adjust. My mom always has this piece of advice where, where she will say it always takes a year. So you said it was about a year. And like, I think whenever you're making a big change like that, mm-hmm it takes a year to adjust into your new role, mastering the content, mastering becoming a full stack developer. Yeah. Was there something that you loved? Like once you made that transition, what did you find was really exciting about that role? (laughs) Um, Honestly, it was, I was not in meetings all day um, because in my previous role, I was, you know, working with clients and working with other people all the time. And uh, just over time, I realized that's not what I wanted to do all day. And so 
transitioning to a developer role at my company was great because basically, I mean, the way we work, have a meeting in the morning and then throughout the day, it's just like, here's what we want you to work on. And so I just get to go and sit down and work for the most part by myself and solve problems all day. And so it's just, it's, it's fun. I love that. So tell me a bit about, so you have, you've worked on the development side, you know how to create an application from the front, uh, from a front end development piece to the back end. And now you're beginning to get it. You, you enjoy that piece. What made you transition to think about helping people, helping other people be able to develop their own technology through what's considered now no code. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Yeah. So I guess let's define no code first. Um, it is a, so no code, it's kind of hard to define because there's a lot of different layers to it, but basically um, I would say no coding is creating apps and websites without actually writing out the code letter by letter or another, another one is, you know, creating apps through other apps. So you're using an app that somebody else created to create your own app. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I would consider like, you know, website builders and where you're dragging and dropping things. Those are no code tools um, that you can use. And so the way I got into no code was actually through my company, they were doing some uh, mentoring, some, some local high school students in an app challenge. And I signed up to be a mentor for that and I came in there not really knowing what I was getting into, but this, the students wanted to make an app and they told us we should use a tool called Funkable, which is a no code tool to create apps. And that was really my first introduction to no code. And I was just fascinated by the concept of this kind of middleman between us, between me and the like the code where you're actually typing mm -hmm. and it just made it a lot simpler because you're not having, like you said, you said earlier, you're not having to worry about semicolons and, and yep. writing out words the, the correct way. It's a uh, level of abstraction between the exactly. back end and the yeah. development piece. Yep. And so from that, um, I actually was, I mean, this is part of my story, but with, uh, with Thunkable it was, it's, it's fairly new and there wasn't a lot of training online. So I had some trouble, uh, figuring out how to do things. There wasn't like a lot of tutorials or courses on it. And because of that, I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure some other people, I want to help other people do what I've done, create this app. Um, so I decided to start teaching others how to use or how to create apps through that tool online. That's how I got started on YouTube. Yeah. And that's how I found you because it was recommended to me. I mean, as in teaching in computer science, there's a couple different ways to teach apps, but in a public school setting, like we were one great way is to use an application to help teach the, the kids, the basic concepts. They can use the no code, the blocks to move pieces over. And that's really what Thunkable does. And I liked the way um, Thunkable allowed you to have cross platforms and I mm -hmm. like the fact that you could do, quite frankly, some very in-depth apps that some of the other platforms did not uh, provide. And so I ended up finding you on YouTube and following much of what, using your tutorials to help teach my students how to use Thunkable as well. 
Yeah, and I think that was another, uh, you mentioned Dunkable being cross-platform. That's another area that is is very new. And cross-platform means that the, the code works on um, different platforms, platforms being like iOS, Apple phones, Android phones. And now Thunkable even supports web apps. And so I have an app made in Thunkable that you can pull up on a web page. You can download the app on iOS. You can download the app on Android. And it's a single app that Thunkable allows you to publish to all three platforms. And so that's cross-platform and it's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Is that the and app I, you made about the finding your local breweries? No. So that oh, was yeah. just an educational okay. app. So this one, um, can I, let me ask you this. So uh, when you have like a picture on your phone, how do you get it to your computer? Ooh. Um, okay. So there's a couple of ways. It doesn't always sync. If I take a picture of my phone, I am a, an iPhone Apple girl. So I will, sometimes it will sync, but sometimes it won't. So usually I have to text it to myself because that's, I know for sure that it's going to sync the way I want it to. Exactly. And so that's what I did for a long time. And it worked because I had an iPhone and a MacBook. But earlier this year, I switched over to a PC. And now I can't pull up iMessage on my PC. And so I was like, and the other side of this is I don't like having email on my phone. So I don't want to email it to myself. So I was like, how do I get this from my phone to my computer? Hmm. So I was like, let me create an app for this. And I did that through Thunkable. And the app is called send that uh, S E N D T H dot A T. So send that with the dot A T. And the app is very, very simple. It allows you to, uh, you open it up, you can upload a picture or you can type in text or type in a link. And the app gives you a, a one-time passcode. And then you just go to another send that app, either you know another phone or the web page on your computer. You type in that code and then it gives you that picture, gives you, you can open up a link directly. Um, so yeah, that, that was the cross-platform app I made in Thunkable and, uh, very, very simple. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So, all right, spell it out again because I'll put it in our notes too so people can access this, but it's send, and is it th dot at? Is that how you do it? Exactly, yeah. Okay, and you can do that. You, you can type that into a browser on your mm -hmm. computer or can you search for it in the, in the app stores or is it just browser-based? Uh, browser, and then you should be able to find it on the app stores if, yeah. Perfect, that's really awesome. And of course, you just thought, I'll just make an app for that you know, as you're sitting around, you know, not yeah. all of us think that way. But what's great about the platform that you're speaking of is being able to, Thunkable, being able to go in and um, actually create your own app with not, you don't have to have a full background on how to be a full stack developer to use mm -hmm. it. You're just going to have to tinker a little bit to, to create what you want. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more um, we're going to take a quick break here in just a minute, but I want to talk a bit more about the business that you're developing and how people can work with you. And then at the core, what you're doing to help businesses be able to add an app to make them more successful. Because, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, we had a platform that we were using with our students over the summer. And the thing that was really frustrating about it is the kids right now really go directly to their phone or their tablets and access an app like that to be able to 
access any material. And we were on a web platform. We wanted them to put in goals and how they were working. And it just, they would never, they weren't going to the website on a regular basis. And an app would have been so beneficial because it would have increased their productivity and access to it. And I kept thinking that would be a really cool partnership. Even I want to talk a bit about how you find your partners and then what you work with to um, start creating the no code app or plan for your clients and how that works. So, but before we do that, um, can you tell me one technology that you have been researching lately that you found really intriguing? Oh, if so, if I have to narrow it down to one, I will say the one that I started looking at, I think last, the end of last week, and it's another no code tool. Um, and it's, uh, it's called Glide, G L I D E. Yes. And so Glide is another no code app builder. And for me, it would, it's, it's not as customizable as Dunkable, but um, it's, it's very, very powerful. Basically, it hooks straight up to a Google spreadsheet. So if you like working with spreadsheets or Excel workbooks, like you'll love this because your data is all inside of a Google spreadsheet. And then you just make an app. And yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. That sounds awesome. I've heard that before. And I think that that, uh, is it a Google product or is it just, is it standalone? You just sync with Google or Excel? Uh, it's actually not Excel. You, you have to use Google Sheets. It's okay. not a Google product though. It's an independent company. Is, okay. Yeah. But that's just what they choose to, to sync up. Well, it, that makes sense because Google is pretty accessible to, you can access Google Sheets with just a Gmail account versus Excel is a little bit of a, a different beast. All right. This has been amazing. And we have more to talk with Darren about when we come back. So stay with us. When we're back, Darren's going to talk to us a bit about his company, how he has developed his company and what he does to help his clients be able to find that sweet spot for an app that will help them do their business better. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dot consulting.co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. Welcome back, everyone, to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. I am your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, and I'm back with the amazing Darren Alderman, who we are talking about um, uh, his journey in um, tech and how he has used his skills and time and his curiosity to create a really cool path and career in web and app development. And he started by doing coding, by doing your syntax coding, typing in all the all the fun stuff, and then has gradually moved into elevating the no-code concept and helping others be able to find their own fit by using this no-code fit. Um, So, Darren, tell us a little bit about, you have a company called Amble Mind. Uh, Tell us a bit about that. Where did that come from? How, what are you doing with it? And um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to know more. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Amble Mind started as just a thought about two, two and a half years ago as I was thinking about, um, you know, trying to sell my services and work with other people and, you know, just generally creating a business. So, Amble Mind is uh, basically my business, but it's also my creative, like I kind of think about it as like my creative outlet. So, um, it's, it's my hobby, it's my business, all that good stuff. And, the term uh, Amble Mind comes from uh, the word Amble, which some people use. Some people may not have heard about it. But basically, to Amble is, it means to, to walk, you know, think about like walking, walking on a beach, just enjoying, enjoying the day, walk around, uh, you know, relaxing, things like that. And so, for me, Amble Mind um, means that you're, you're practicing uh, learning on a consistent basis for like enjoyment. So, so for me, it's just this idea of, you know, I want to continually be, be learning um, and doing it at whatever pace I can, but for the purpose of enjoying and learning and, and finding out how things work. So that's where Amble Mind comes from. It's a very cool name. I like it. I like it a lot. And you're exactly right. That is, you make it sound so easy. And relaxing. You know, we were talking about earlier, he's like, you know, I just couldn't quite send a picture from my uh, phone to my computer. So I just did an app. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is you can. It's just a matter of knowing yeah. how to navigate to do that. So with your company, what do what how do clients work with you? Yeah, so for the for the most part, uh, most of the people I've worked with so far have found my videos on YouTube. And most of those are about Thunkable. So most of the time it's people who are working with Thunkable. They, they are interested in no code. They want to be able to do it themselves, but they just need a little bit of help putting all the pieces together and finding a way to, I have this idea, I have this working, but you know, how do I, how do I make this a complete app? And so that's where I come in. People reach out to me um, and I, like I've, like I've said before, I really like problem solving. 
And so I just, yeah, I like being able to take someone's idea and say, okay, this is what you need to do. You'll need this, this, and this. And I would do it in this order. And you can do that or you can have me do that. And I would love to work with you and help you reach your dreams with your app. What's been one of the coolest projects you've worked on thus far? Ooh, um, so I just worked on an app recently um, and they are integrating with uh, Zapier. Have you heard of Zapier? So, yes, I love Zapier. Yes. So, so Zapier is an API for all the APIs and an API is an application programming interface. And basically, basically it's just how websites talk to each other. So if I wanted to send something from my website to Google, I would use an API. And so what Zapier does is they have like, you know, 1500, 2000, I don't know the number, but websites that they have integrated and so all you have to do is just go into their website, connect the pieces and, and do all of that. So um, their app was using Zapier to send text messages through another website service. And so that was kind of fun to see and, and um, help them achieve. That's pretty awesome. So I, I know I, when I first discovered Zapier, I was looking for a way to integrate um, a social media, like when I was, from my website, et cetera. But I've, it's so cool to see all the partnerships that, that they put together so that makes it really, it helps to streamline. Really, mm -hmm. if you're looking from a small business perspective, you can use Zapier to streamline your work and be able to click one place and it post in another place, et cetera. I think it's, a, it was ingenious the way they yeah. put all that together because it's a small business, which I know, you know, we pull things from all different areas. You know, we mm -hmm. Zoom, we've got QuickBooks, so I just want to say, in the middle of this glorious recording, my son comes in for me to open up M&Ms. <laughs> Always delightful. So let me go back to that point. But I think that as a small business, we have to pull in so many different platforms that Zapier is a great way to be able to, to put that together. So I'm, I'm a fan. And that sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, I was uh, playing around. I was uh, looking at your website the other day, and I noticed that you had a free ebook. What is that ebook and how did that come to be? Yeah, so this kind of goes back to the, the first half of our conversation. Um, after I mentored, uh, I got into no code through mentoring some local high school students and I needed to learn how to use this tool Thunkable. And so I made an app and then I made another app that I actually like published to the iOS, um, the Apple Store, Google Play Store. And so after that kind of realization, I wanted to put together a book that, uh, an ebook that walked people through the process of taking their idea and then turning that into an app and then eventually publishing that app on the, the different uh, play stores. And so the ebook is basically my reflection of a step-by-step -step process of how you create an app and specifically in, in Thunkable in, in this case. Do you find that, I'm going to think about how I want to phrase this question. When clients come to you and you're saying you're, you know, you're helping them to put the pieces together. So let's say for instance, you know, I'm a nonprofit owner, right? I have a nonprofit that supports girls in computer science. I know that an app would be a great advantage to my business, but I don't really even know where to start with that. 
what would you advise? Do you, when you think about that, how would you advise someone like me to think about an app or is it even purposeful for me? Um, so you're asking, uh, how would you make the app or how to it, figuring out if an app is, is worth your time? I think a little bit of both. I mean, where do you, I mean, in terms of the way in which consumers access information, we know that mobile technology is really number one at this point, right? Yeah. So are you finding that people are accessing mobile technology or an app for information purposes or for a purpose for it to do something? Um, I would say do something. Um, I feel like if you're, if you're looking for answers, you generally go to the web. Uh, mm -hmm. But an app is, you know, it's a way to, to eat, you know, trying to make a, a task easier. And, um, you know, coming up with the, with the question of, or, or answering the question of, you know, do you need an app? Uh, I mean, you have to ask yourself that. Um, but I would say you can think about it in two areas. Um, you know, if, if you are a small business or a business in general, there are basically two ways you can use an app. Uh, and I would say internal, you know, internal apps for your own organization. And these might be for, for, larger, for larger companies trying to make things easier, sending data between different departments and things like that. But also if you're a, um, I mean, think, I mean, if you're a like lawn company or something, you know, small business, you know, what if you had an app that you could pull out your phone and easily, you know, put in the size of the yard, all the different things you need to do. And then that spit out a, a quote for your potential client. And then what if you could also take that and send that data to your, um, you know, your payment system so that they could send them an invoice right away. I mean, that's not, that's an idea of an internal, internal app. Uh, but externally, like if, if you have a app for your company that your customers can use, like it's, it's so powerful because it's, it's advertising in their pocket. Uh, because every time they open their phone, they see your company name there. And if it's a tool that they use on a regular basis, like, man, you're, you're doing really good. It's free advertising if you can create a tool for your, your, your customers to use. Well, and the, what you just mentioned is really powerful. One, being the internal piece and two, being the external for free advertising. And, you, and, you, and I, the reason why I asked that question is I don't find that, you know, taking the time to create an app that's just going to simply give you information is not really worth the time because people are going to Google it or they can go to your website. So that is exactly what I was thinking. So if you are a business and you are wanting to create an app, the whole purpose behind it is for it to do something and either show how you bring value or it's an easy application that can help solve a problem for that person and then also keeps the name of your business in the back of their mind. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Where do you see mobile technology going over the next five years with all of the uh, advancements in, in things like virtual and artificial intelligence and machine learning? And I mean, I know some of that is part of what no code is, but where do you really see this movement of, of mobile technology going? So uh, I guess my first answer is in the, in the no coding space. Um, I know uh, uh, what people are, a lot of people are talking about right now is when we're going to see like our first, you know, big major company become like publicly traded that was made on no code. 
um, that's kind of the talk that's going on in the no code space right now that I'm, that I've been reading about. Um, I think we're going to continue to see these no code tools get better. We're going to see more of them. And I think generally they are going to just become more, more mainstream. I mean, Zapier is a, you know, fairly new company. I mean, it hasn't been out for two, three years. I've only been using it for, I'm not going to say two, three, I don't know the actual date, but I've only been using it for, you know, a year. And so tools like that, people are, people are working with these tools every day, trying to create their businesses with technology. And so generally I just think it's going to keep on growing, become more mainstream and we're going to see more people creating cool apps and have good ideas. And it's going to be through no code. Well, there's two pieces that I heard you say that. One is the accessibility, the ability to be able to access something like Thunkable or Glide or another no-code platform. I mean, even there's quite a few databases that are out there that like the NoSQL or, um, you know, where you're not having to actually type in anything and you're using that, the platforms to help drive uh, decisions. So that accessibility is really big. And the second part is how that is going to change the way in which we interact, even just using a company like Zapier that allows us to make things at ease or even the company like If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T, If This Then That. It's a really cool company where you can go in and do a lot of uh, automatic connection between your Instagram and your Twitter or LinkedIn. And I think you can go from Twitter to LinkedIn, but not from LinkedIn to Twitter. But anyway, some of those APIs that are coming out and you can even create your own in there, which mm-hmm. gives a, a gateway, I think, for people to feel more confident in if they have a problem, they could go and just create an app like you did even thinking about wanting to move your picture from the phone to the computer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, I mean, we're not only seeing this in like the, you know, the singular person space either, like me, myself, yeah, I can create an app. Um, and you listening, you can create an app too. Uh, but like even, you know, corporate companies, we're seeing this kind of idea of abstracting services. So, the, the, you know, the term software as a service, um, you know, Google, a lot of apps are using Google's Firebase service right now as a backend for all of their apps. And, uh, and I, I don't need to get into all that, but basically that that's another service that just makes creating an app super, super easy. And so we're, we're just seeing this kind of, I guess, this trend of, you know, just things becoming easier, more accessible and more people being able to create these things that were before. And I mean, that's why this is so, so cool before. I mean, if you wanted to create an app, you'd have to go and spend a few months learning a programming language. And now you just go in there and drag some things around and spit out an app and there you go. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. I yeah. mean, just so, and then the, I think for that too, that barrier of entry, like I was mentioning, it's not so scary because you can go in and play around with it and move things around. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, no, her, no um, harm, no foul. I mean, because you haven't really invested thousands and thousands of dollars into A, learning how to code or B, having someone develop it. Now, that doesn't negate the process of like where, where you come in to help clients in terms of this happens on a regular basis. And I, and I find this in my work, there will be an initial thought of how they want something to be. And then they start doing they're like, oh, wait a minute. That's not what I wanted. So your value is being able to help put all those pieces together that they start it, but they're not really sure how to finish. 
Yeah, and I think that also brings up another topic that um, I'd like to plug in here. And one thing with no code is you have to respect the rules of no code. Mm. And that, that being that you can only do what the, the application of the software permits you to do. So you can only do uh, what, you know, what the developers have created for you to do. And that's one thing that um, I guess people struggle with a little bit uh, and you have to, you have to respect that. So um, if, if you want, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um, so I'm thinking about like uh, you, you have these apps now, these like furniture apps where you can, you know, pull up, it's like the AI thing. So you pull up the camera in your room and you can see the lamp in your living room before you oh, buy yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so something like that is not available in Thunkable yet. So if you wanted to create an app that had that feature, you really couldn't use Thunkable right now. So that's an example of uh, what I'm talking about. Sure. You're, you're a little bit limited with no code. The world is not your oyster, as they say. <laughs> um, but if you can respect that and learn to work around that and be creative and appreciate what you do have, because all the other stuff is so much easier, I think you can really enjoy no code. Yeah, and that's actually a really great point, Darren, is to say because you are limited, it's, it's sort of like even using WordPress or any of the other platforms where you're, you're, you are limited to how that software has been put together. Now, on some of them, you can go in the back end and do coding, but I would imagine many of these platforms like Thunkable or Glide or um, even some of the easy apps that you download where you can create your own video, you're not going to have a lot of the recording pieces on the coding piece on the to be able to edit, which mm -hmm. leads me to the question about when you think about keeping your tech skills current, what do you do? What are, what are some of the ways that you continue your learning for technologies that are coming out or keeping your skills up to date? So uh, I guess I have a confession. <laughs> um, um, I, I haven't been doing a ton of this over the past year. So uh, I've been, because I work full time and I do all this on the side, I've been very thunkable focused, but really over the past month I've been, or maybe two months, I'd say I've been like, okay, I know thunkable. Uh, let's see what else is out there. And that's kind of what led me to, to mention glide earlier. And so really what I want to learn and what I want to be able to help people do is kind of navigate all these different no-code tools and know the ins and outs, the features that are available in these different tools so that I can help my clients when they say, hey, I want to do this. This is my priority. I can say, okay, I think this, this no-code tool would work best for you. Um, outside of no-code, uh, I would say the, the, the tool or what I've been pretty fascinated with recently is the Flutter programming language coming from Google. And uh, that is a cross-platform coding language. And it, now it's, it's not no code, it's syntax, you're typing it out, but it is a uh, very, very cool. And because I like to, I like to get into that sometimes, uh, it's, it's a really cool tool. I have not heard of that. So say it's called Flutter? Mm-hmm, Flutter. So is it proprietary to Google or is it, so it's open source, but it's mostly maintained by Google people and it's being pushed forward by, by Google. And what can you do? Is that, is it web, 
based or is it data based or what are you doing with what, what can you do with Flutter? Right. So uh, I guess the thing that appeals to me the most is that it is fully cross-platform. And uh, so that being that you can have one code base again that works on iOS, Android, and uh, their web is in, I think, like alpha or beta right now. So not fully supported, but uh, again, we're cross-platform is is a big thing that I think is, is really cool. And I'm sad. I'm looking like 10 years, 20 years ahead when you have like these, my kids are coming up and they're not going to appreciate that as much as I do. And I'm going to feel old, but yeah, cross-platform is very cool. Listen, I feel old every day <laughs> because there's things that come out and I do not understand what they are. And, and this is not old, but I still don't understand the concept of Minecraft and why it's so appealing <laughs> to kids. I mean, my, my, both of my boys love Minecraft and I just can't even figure, I just don't know. I just, I just can't, can't figure it out. So I totally get it. Um, I think that is really powerful for you to say that, you know, and, and here's the truth of the matter that when we get involved in working with a piece of software, a lot of times, um, we get focused on that and then going beyond that to continue to learn is, you know, sometimes we don't always want to do that. So I like that you were honest in saying that you have just begun to explore outside of where you are in Thunkable, but you've become an expert in that. So now you want to also extend your expertise into other areas. And I think you'll be able to provide a great service to people to, un to be able to explore what it means, this whole no code concept. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, and I mean, I actually this week I, I renamed my, my YouTube channel. It used to be Thunkable X Tutorials and I renamed it to No Code Apps with Darren uh, because I do want to, to broaden both, both my learning because I do want to continually be learning. I don't want to get stagnant, uh, but also I want to help. I want to help others. That's really, that's, that's really my goal. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I necessarily, I mean, sure, it'd be great to create an app that makes a ton of money, but uh, the enjoyment I get out of is, you know, sitting down with somebody and they, them having this vision for an app and me being able to, to take that and help them finish that. And it's just, it's, it's very, very satisfying for me. Yeah. And you do a really great job. And um, I think... Yeah, you, you just do a great job. And I, and I highly recommend your tutorials on YouTube. Um, so just tell me the, no, the channel again. So it's No Code Apps with Darren. Okay, No Code Apps with Darren. Before we wrap this up, Darren, I want to ask you one last question. And this is just, what is a risk that you took or have taken that has paid off? So we mentioned... We mentioned earlier in the call, uh, me making the decision to wanting to move to a coding coding role. So uh, that was kind of my first one. But but looking back, uh, I would say that it was starting one one big risk was starting the YouTube channel that we that we were just talking about because you know I'm fascinated with you know, online business and uh, what some people might not know is that this YouTube, YouTube channel was actually my third YouTube channel. I tried to start other ones and they didn't. The first one, I was like, I'm going to upload a video four times a week. And if you know anything about YouTube, that is, a, that is very, very, very hard to do, especially if you're also working full time. And so mm -hmm. that channel, after about two weeks, I was like, eh, I'm done. Then I started another one under the Amblemind brand, but 
nobody knew about Anvil Mines. Nobody cared about it. So then I was like, all right, Thunkable, let's do this. And that has, that channel has grown and it's, uh, it's been a really good uh, way for people to find my business. And so, yeah, that, that's a risk that has paid off and I'm hoping it continues to pay off in the future. Um, I think it will. And I agree with you about YouTube. It's a very, that's a whole nother beast, a whole nother show we could talk about <laughs> the whole algorithm of, of YouTube. I'm actually doing a little bit of research myself on that process, on the YouTube piece, because it is such a big, I mean, well, I know the the greatness that is YouTube, but it's even uh, filtrating in education of, as a way to really be able to communicate with students and share content when there is little to no internet access, because there's a lot of ways that we can, YouTube works in, in that in that, in that that way, but that's a whole nother conversation. So as we get ready to wrap up, a couple of things. One, how can people reach out to work with you and find you? Yeah, so I would say first and foremost, amblemind.com. Go to my website. Um, there will always be some kind of way to contact me there. If you want to reach out, reach out to me directly, you can just send me an email, darren at amblemind.com. And then, of course, go to your, your YouTube channel. Yes, yes. So, no code apps with Darren. If you type in my name, maybe it'll come up. <laughs> we'll see. Well, if not, I think you can even type in Thunkable and it'll direct, end up directing you probably to Darren. If, um, uh, yeah. yeah if, that's, we're, that's you're going to pick up some speed now. That's what we're talking about. No, no code apps with Darren. We're going to type it into YouTube and help get you some, some visitors over there, especially yes. because I'm going to be curious to know what you're putting up there as well and use that as a support in my own work as I'm helping young ladies. So, Darren, thank you so much for, for being a part of the show and, and sharing your expertise and um, giving some really great um, piece of advice. If there is one piece of advice you can leave our audience with, what is that? I would say as you're getting into this no-code world, um, don't negate the value of reaching out to an expert. And I'm not saying that just so people call me. Uh, <laughs> As you're navigating this no-code tools, it, it, would, it would pay you to spend $100 to talk to somebody before you waste 10 weeks on an app that's not going to do what you want it to do. Um, that's something that I've learned and something that I would pass on to you. I think that's great advice because even though I've, I've heard the saying is that even though you can do it doesn't mean you always should. Right. So I think it's great as an entry point. I think it's a great way for you not to feel so scared about developing your own tech. But if you get to a point where, you know, you don't know the other what where you need to go, reaching out to that expert is so important. Thank you, Darren. My action item for you today is to go and check out Darren's YouTube channel at No Code Apps with Darren. See what he has to say. Reach out to him at amblemind.com. And remember that you can use this as a great entry point into learning more about developing your own piece of technology. It isn't as hard as we all think. You can also find out more information about the work I do and the where I've used Darren's expertise in working in my K-12 schools at the.consulting.co and how my girls at Indati Rose Foundation have used Thunkable to create their own first apps. And we had a ball using Thunkable and borrowing Darren's expertise through his YouTube channel. So thank you everybody for joining us. And I cannot wait to see you on the next episode of Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. 
Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then. 